All right, Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we ask tonight for nothing short of a visitation and movement of your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak through your word and point us to Jesus. Jesus, be lifted up in this place. How we need a fresh touch of the Spirit in our lives. How I need that. And so come, Holy Spirit, and move right now, Lord, growing us in this area of evangelism and putting boldness in each individual in this room. We ask this for your glory, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I speak at a thing called uh, Creation Fest. It's, uh, it's a huge event, thousands and thousands of people on the south coast in England. And uh, incredible ministry. There's a real returning to the Lord in this land. And I would say this is a place that is post-Bible, and God is bringing them back to the Word, and He's bringing them back to the person of Jesus Christ. So I, I get to do a lot of the um, evangelism altar calls at night, or some of the ones. Uh, there's a team of us that do them. And so one of the nights I just finished doing an altar call, and I got off the stage and I went around the corner to this place. They have this room called a green room where the artists and musicians are. I sat down to eat some food. And as I sat down, and the altar call was great. I mean, the response was incredible. I was so excited. But as I sat down, all of a sudden I felt this sense in my heart. The Lord saying, get up, go through the curtain, through security, go to the back of this auditorium and wait there. And, you know, it wasn't, I'll be honest, it wasn't like, get up, my child. It was... <laughs> There was no audible. It was just this sense in my heart. I'm supposed to get up right now and go to the back of the room. And, and then I was like, no, that's silly. I mean, honestly, you don't want to come off the stage at Creation Fest, turn around and walk back into it because there's thousands of people and there's like a good 300 young adults just blocking that area. You'd never make it through. And so I start arguing with the Lord. In the words of Dr. Phil, how's that working for some of you? Does that, you, you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever done this where you're like, Lord, I, have a, I think I know how to do this in a better way than what you're telling me right now. Have you been there? Okay, so I start reasoning. I'm like, Lord, that's silly to do that. Uh, security's not going to let me out or whatever. And so we have this conversation. The Lord again says, get up, go to the back of the sanctuary or the back of the auditorium and just wait. And so I obey the Lord. I get up. I walk through security. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's okay. I walk. I go straight to the back of this room. No one even stops me. I walk through the crowds. Bit of a Jesus moment. Woo, 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 all the way back of the room. I'm standing at the back of the room. There I am wondering, why am I here? All of a sudden, this guy in an orange volunteer shirt comes up to me. He goes, Joel, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. There's a couple that just got here. They missed your gospel presentation. And listen, their, their mom forced them to... The, there's one guy, 19-year-old named... Uh, Connor and there was a 17 year old girl named Dolly and, he, and they're a couple and, and apparently Connor's mom forced him to come out and so this guy says yeah and the couple's like right there I want you to picture this the couple's like right here and he's like yeah these guys don't want to be here the mom forced them to come would you share the gospel with them off you go spirit fingers okay and I was like what I'm like, thanks for that intro. That's really helpful, right? I'm like, okay. So, but all of a sudden, I, I don't know. I just felt completely full of love, full of the spirit for these guys. I've never met them before in my life. And all of a sudden, I just like 
100 miles an hour start. In fact, here's my opening line. Don't write this down. This isn't like basic evangelism 101. You might scare someone with this. But I literally looked at him and said, you seriously don't know Jesus yet? Like that. Don't recommend that as an intro at the water cooler. That might hurt you. But anyway, uh, and they're like, what? And they're holding hands and they're a little shocked. And then I was just full of love for them. I'm like, you guys, I, I, my life was a wreck before Jesus. It was a gong show. And I thought, oh, I had it all together and I don't need religion. And, and I bought into this lie that it was about religion. And the enemy duped me to believing it was about religion and not relationship. But once I found relationship, my goodness. And I'm just like going off on them. And I'm like, all I remember is saying this line. It's a common one for me. I said, you guys, if you guys have been the only ones on the face of the earth, God still would have sent Jesus to die on a cross for you because that's how much you're worth. And all of a sudden, two things happen. They weren't holding hands anymore. Like, I, I feel like I got to like, look, I miss out. Do you guys get missed a lot? I'm like, there's people over here. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, because you guys matter too. How you doing left side of the crowd? Where are you at? Yeah, come on. I don't know. That was just on my heart. I didn't forget you. All right. <laughs> That's a far way over. You have, to, you have to do that, Pastor Jeff. You're like, and so, and so left-sided people. Uh, I, I was like, I couldn't believe it. And I said, you guys, man, if you've been the only ones on the face of the earth, God still would have sent Jesus to die on the cross for you because that's how much you matter to him. And they did two things. They stopped holding hands right away. And then tears formed in their eyes. And, and I asked them this question. I said, can you see any reason right now why you shouldn't both give your life to Jesus and get saved from your sin? And they both went, no. And we prayed right there just a few months ago at the back of the room for them to come to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, we came out of the prayer and the girl goes to me. She goes, uh, aren't we supposed to get baptized right now? And me being like an idiot, I'm like, uh, no, baptisms were Wednesday. Uh, look at you. Like, and then I was like, oh, God, sorry. Yeah, no, let's baptize you. So we, like, the next morning drove to the nearest beach and did a baptism service there. It's all on Instagram if you want to see it. But amazing how the Lord just grabbed a hold of these people. Now, I learned as we're driving to the baptism service with the mom, this incredible thing. She said, you know, Joel, I was here in your morning session this morning and you said, bring someone tonight who is yet to respond to the gospel. I had tickets booked to go to the south of France, fully paid. And in that sermon that you preached, God said, don't get on your flight, cancel it. And bring your son who doesn't know the Lord and his girlfriend tonight to hear the gospel. Praise the Lord. She gave that up because when you weigh it up, what's a, what's a trip to the south of France in comparison to eternity? And listen, if you're in the room right now and you're like, well, I don't know if God is real and I'm just checking out church Jesus and faith and all that. But then two things. Number one, well done. Seriously, keep coming here. Keep examining. Keep exploring because he's real. This is real. This ain't church and religion only. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's relationship with the living God. It is the real deal. There is nothing else. I've been there. In, in, in fact, in fact, James 1.17 says every good and perfect gift is from above, which means what? There's no coincidence with God. You're like, well, I came tonight. Maybe you did, but probably God brought you. Because he's crazy about you and wants to see you redeemed. The danger, friends, the danger, if you got a pen or open your 
your phone, as I always say to our young adult church, open your phone, push and swipe. If you got a pen, write this down. The danger in the modern church is two things when it comes to evangelism. Number one is complacency. Complacency. And number two is compartmentalizing. Compartmentalizing. What do you mean? Well, first, we get complacent. We think, well, hey, I'm saved. I got my ticket to heaven. Glory, right? You're like, I'm already going to the other side. And you know what? I don't have to share my faith because we have pastors for that. And we have evangelists, crazy Canadians for that. Right? And and we think, hey, we're saved to sit, but we're not. We were never saved to sit. We were saved to be sent. Everywhere the disciples went, they were on mission. Friends, you don't go on missions. You're already on mission. And, and, And evangelism isn't something that we say. It's who we are. It's not something that we do. It's who we are. You're on mission right now. You've been saved to be sent. The second danger is compartmentalizing. How many of you have ever been on a long-distance flight on an airplane? You know, back it up here, get a greater response. Who knows what an airplane is? <laughs> oh, there you go. Come on, thirsty crowd. Let's do this. All right. Been on an airplane. Had airplane food. Had the airplane food that's like that compartmentalized plate. You know the one I mean? Where are you at? Yeah. All right. You know, and they, and they got over here, they got like a veggie, and then you got like um, some rubber, uh, sorry, chicken. And it, you know what I'm talking about, right? You got like all these compartments. There's, there's way too many airplane Christians out there. They got their life compartmentalized. They're like, oh, this is my fitness time. Mm. That's just me and my fitness. And then there's my social media time, my friendship time. This compartment is my church time or my God time. And here's my work over here. And, and it's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be more like, now I'm going to try and say something I'm learning while I'm down here. It's supposed to be not like airplane food, but like gumbo. Is that right? Did I say that right? Yeah, Gumbo, where it's all mixed together. Is that fair? I was going to say tacos, but whatever. You pick. I love, I love the guy that in there's like, you should have said tacos. All right, never mind. All right. It's supposed to be all mixed together. You didn't see Jesus with the disciples. He's like, okay, guys, I know we're having a rotten day, but get your Jesus Christian evangelist face on. Everybody smile on three. One, two, three. And let's go share now. Five, four. No. It was just Jesus wherever he went. He was the same wherever he went. And this is the thing is we've got it so compartmentalized that we need to get proper perspective. Jesus is supposed to come into my workplace. I'm a mission to that work. I'm a missionary to that workplace. I go to missions when I go to work. I love this. You walk out these doors right on the wall. What's it say? Anybody? You, you, it says bathrooms. But beyond that wall, <laughs> on the second wall, it says you are now entering the mission field. It's true. You're, you're going out there. You're on mission. I told a doctor once, I said, doctor, you're not a doctor. You're an example of what it looks like when Jesus helps sick people. That's what you are. I have a a football player that I got to lead to the Lord in my office and went on to play in the CFL, the Edmonton Eskimos. I don't know why I'm telling you this because you're like, isn't that all the rejects from the NFL? Yes, it is. (laughs) And it hurts. But they interviewed him shortly after. He scored a touchdown in a key game. And he said, I- I'm not a football player. I'm just an ambassador of Jesus on the football field with these players. That's what it's supposed to be, right? 
And so it's not what we do, it's who we are. And what we're talking about today is how do we grow in that? And really what we're asking is how did the first Christians do evangelism and what can we learn from them? Acts chapter 3 to 4, to set the context, details the church's earliest efforts in evangelism as the disciples start getting the good news out post-Pentecost. After a man has been healed, Peter boldly proclaims the gospel in the city and he and John are arrested for preaching Jesus. Now I love this. The next day, the two apostles are called to answer to the religious leaders for their actions. Does Peter dial back the boldness in any way? Does he kind of hone in or rein in the boldness? No way. He's full on preaching Jesus. I mean, picture the scene. You're the religious leaders of the day and you're frustrated. Why? Because two guys got on top of a stage and started preaching and 3,000 people got saved. So your master plan goes like this. Oh my goodness, we cannot let those guys get on a stage and preach because thousands got saved. So let's throw them in jail and bring them out the very next day and put them in front of 5,000 people on a stage to talk about what happened. Are you with me? They're like, okay, get on the stage. And then what do they do? Peter's like, all right, I'm just going to have an outreach service. And boom, 5,000 got saved. I mean, he just takes the opportunity. And now 5,000 people get saved. And these guys are freaking out. And in verse 13, you have the reaction of the Jewish leaders. And in these, I believe we see three things that mark the very first evangelists and the very first Christians involved in evangelism. If you got a pen, jot them down. Every follower of Jesus can grow in evangelism by identifying three characteristics of these guys. Now, you've heard this term perhaps, I'm sure. It's called the principle of first mention. When something is first mentioned in the Bible, when the topic first comes up, especially in the book of Genesis, which I think you're going through right now, awesome, you see this come up. Everybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Points, 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 50 points. Okay, great. <laughs> really, what are the points for? I don't know. Uh, we're just having fun. So when this is mentioned, it tells us something that is germane about that topic that carries through that topic forever. So we're learning, guys, how the first people did evangelism. That's kind of key. Here's the first one. Number one, they were bold. Write it down. They were bold. Verse 13 says, now when they saw, it's interesting, you can see this, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Friends, boldness is the biblical manner in which God wants the gospel given. We are not to develop our own methods based on personality or passion. We're to unapologetically open our mouths and testify to the saving knowledge and relationship in Jesus Christ. And I believe that a a whole bunch of our commonly reported frustrations in evangelism are rooted in our failure to embrace the biblical method of boldness. And this is just why I do what I do, go around churches and strengthening them mostly in this area of evangelism. But what's happened is we have all these experts that have developed all these methods over the last 20 to 25 years. Let's just give a short version on this. We have the four spiritual laws and the four doors and the five ways. We have friendship evangelism. We have the way of the master. And I don't want you to mishear me here. Some of these are good. And I use some of these. But I think we've almost gone a little too far. And now what's happened is we've taken basic, simple evangelism one-on-one out of the hands of the layperson and into the hands of the expert. So now if you don't have the system memorized, well, then you you just can't evangelize. 
And that's just a lie. I don't believe that. And so my whole passion and what I go around church to church is helping people get back to simply talking to people in your world about Jesus. Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. I think once you've brought Jesus up, guess what? Once you lift him up, he promises he's going to do a drawing. Stuff's going to happen. The problem is we're not lifting him up. Now, the Greek term translated bolder, boldly, or boldness, it means this. I love this. Candor in the face of opposition. That's what it means. Candor in the face of opposition. It can also translate freedom of speech. Love it. And so basically, we're to be those who give a clear, candid, free, compassionate, compelling witness to the news of how sins can be forgiven in Jesus and how we've experienced that reality personally. Now, the problem today, if we're honest, is we want the fruit, but we don't want the fallout. What's the number one reason people don't share their faith? Shout it out if you know. Fear. Fear. It's fear. And so we want people converted, but we don't want to offend anyone. And we don't want to get offended in the process. We don't want to get hurt in the process. James McDonald says we want to be the aroma of life to those who are being saved without being the aroma of death to those who are perishing. But but we have to take a lesson from our forerunners. These guys right here, Peter and John, they're imprisoned. Paul and uh, Stephen are stoned. Jesus himself was crucified because of this very truth. And so the gospel message and the commission of evangelism flows down through the corridors of history through the blood of our descendants and our forerunners. You say, okay, Joel, fine. How do I get boldness? In the same chapter of verse 4, jump down to verse 29 and read this with me. Now, Lord, look on their threats, Acts 4, 29, and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Three ways to get boldness. Number one, seek it. Seek it. What are they doing right here? They're praying. Seeking the Lord. Lord, look on their threats. But give us boldness when we speak. Did you know you can pray for boldness? The first Christians did. They didn't have it, and so evidently they needed this boldness. Paul, at the end of the armor of God, he prays this. He says, after putting on all the protection before going into his day, he prays this. Grant that I may speak with all boldness. Then I love this part. This is for you. As I ought to speak. That's what Paul's saying. This is the manner I should speak as I go out into my day. Lord, give me boldness. And I think this is important because when you agree, we got a whole lot of blandness out there and not a whole lot of boldness. I mean, there's a whole lot of evangelism, but if you're honest, and maybe this is you, no condemnation, but, you know, there's people like going to the water cooler at work and they're like, okay, this is my opportunity. And they roll up and they're like, hey, man, I just want to tell you I love your shirt. Oh, and uh, you should come to my church sometime. Here's an invite. Oh. And it's like, uh, that kind of flopped, right? Now, I mean, the, uh, the guy that gets the invite like that, he's just weirded out, isn't he? And uh, no guy that gets that invite goes, man, I just want what he has. <laughs> man, I don't know what it is about him. It's contagious. No, 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 no. That's not at a, ba- you don't hear that story at a baptism. 
And so you need to ask, Lord, give me boldness for this interaction right now. Here's the second way we get boldness. The second one is spirit it. What do you mean spirit it? Boldness is not being obnoxious. This needs to be sad. Some people think, okay, I can already see some guys in the room. They're like chest out, shoulders back. Boldness it is. Odie going to get some boldness at church or at work, right? And you, you picture yourself with a 10-pound Billy Graham Bible. Rawr. Like they're going to get some boldness. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. No, it's not bravado. Listen to this. It's the Holy Spirit at work through you. That's the kind of boldness. You can't predict it, but you can project it. You, you can't summon it in your flesh, but you can spirit it by praying, Holy Spirit, fill me and let this boldness come out through me. And these guys did that. What's the third way you get boldness? You speak it. Now, this is where the action is. This, in my, in my mind, is one of the top reasons we're not reaching our nations for Jesus. We had a whole bunch of prayer. We had lots of Bible studies. But what about spirit-given boldness that causes you to open your mouth? Friends, I want to say the obvious because I struggle with this like you. If you don't open your mouth, this is brilliant. Write this down. You're going to know right now why they brought someone all the way from Canada. If you don't open your mouth, nothing comes out. I know. I know. Incredible, wasn't it? You're like, write that down. That is deep. That is, this guy's good. <laughs> Nothing comes out. I mean, I hate, people are always like, oh yeah, but it's just like it was a bad witness opportunity. Honestly, I don't know of a lot of bad witness opportunities. I mean, you're like, yeah, but it didn't work till they didn't get saved on the spot. When do they usually ever get saved? Right on the spot. You don't know what link in the chain you are, but if you don't play your part, you'll never get to see the fruit of it. And here's what, I, I can only think of one bad witness opportunity. I had a young adult come up to me once. He's like, Pastor Jay, man, I shared my faith this week. I'm like, oh, cool, man. How'd it go? He goes, yeah, I didn't go that well. I'm like, well, what'd you do? He goes, well, I was just at Starbucks just sharing the gospel with the girl behind the counter. And I knew right away what had happened. I said, bro, were you in the line? He's like, yeah. I'm like, how many people were behind you? He's like, it was about five people behind me, uh. I'm like, well, that's why you're sharing the gospel with people waiting for their coffee. That's not witnessing for Jesus. Right? I mean, what you should have done is just like given like 50 bucks and said, turned around to the crowd of five and said, your coffee's on Jesus. Yo. And then like, you know, and then throw a Calvary Chapel South Bay invite at them all and then walk out. God bless you. That's what you should have done instead of offending everyone in the lineup. Okay. Okay. No, no opportunity. But the thing is, we're too scared to open our mouth. And what happens is, is we train wreck and we go, I'm not going to try that again. I know this. It happened to me. I was working at Gold's Gym in a town called Kelowna in Canada years ago. What are you laughing at? Okay, yeah, fine. Not as a trainer or anything. I was on the front desk. I love that. I'm like, I was working at a gym. <laughs> oh, he's, he's serious. Okay. On the front desk, anyway. And <laughs> so I'm at the front desk. i just gotten saved. I was so excited. And I saw the biggest business owner in our city walk through the door because he worked out at our gym. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to share Jesus with him. He's going to get saved. Just imagine all the thousands that will get saved because of this guy. So I open my mouth. Good job. 
except I was at work and he was in a rush asking for a towel and I gave him the gospel instead. And I'm like, here's the gospel, blah, 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 blah. What happened? He went up one side of me and down the other with a whole bunch of colorful words. And I was demoralized. He's like, I could have your job and all this. And I'm like, oh, shrinking under the dust. It was awful. And I remember saying to the Lord, I never want to do that again. I, I'm not your man, clearly, because that just train wrecked. I don't want to ever do that again. A couple years later, he came back into the same gym. Because he had left the gym, probably because of me. He came back in. I wasn't on the front desk. I think I was cleaning a suntan bed. And, but some other guy was on the desk and saw him and was like, oh, it's that guy that Joel scared off. And he came in and he's like, hi, is Joel here? And the guy's like, oh, uh, yeah, I'll get him. So this guy came to me and he's like, hey, Joel, remember that business leader, the one with it? Yeah, 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 I remember him. Why? He's back and he's looking for you. And I was like, what, what, what'd you tell him? You tell him I still work here? Do you, what, yeah, I said, you're in the back. Oh, come on. And so I kind of came out, you know, like, like, hey, hey. And he goes, are you Joel? And I'm like, no, no, Joel, Joel's dead. I'm his, I'm his twin brother, Gerald. Uh, <laughs> No, I didn't. I said, yes, I'm Joel. And he goes, hey, man. Because I was really hard on you two years ago. But your words stayed with me. And recently I just gave my life to Christ. And God said, and God said, go back in and tell that guy that you destroyed, that I still used his gospel. Friends, don't give up. Just because you had a train wreck. Just because somebody rejected it. I mean, can I just say this? I don't mean to say this arrogantly, but you do know we're right, right? And we forget this sometimes. We're like, oh, I don't want to share Jesus with them because, you know, they might reject it or they might call me this or this. You're still right. A hundred years from now, you're right. There is no hell too. Do you understand? You got it right. You don't have to be arrogant about it, but you need to own it because the Bible says we're supposed to serve our purpose to this generation we've been chosen to combine two verses for such a time as this there is no plan b you're god's plan i know that's a crazy thought when jesus said you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world it means it's written in the emphatic it means you and nobody else so don't look around you're god's master plan you're the one he chose you and we're all going to stand before him and be like hey how'd you do with that job How'd you do with it? And, and you know what? You're like, well, Joe, I'm just not great with words. Then take an invite to here and bring them out on a Sunday. Offer to pick them up and bring them. You'll see great results if you do that. We got all these, uh, can I just say, we got all these secret agent Christians out there. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you sharing your faith? They're like, shh. You, meet, you go to a new job and some guy finds out you're a Christian? I always tell people, if you start a new job, labor, label yourself early. Walk in and be like, I'm a Christian. Shoot your arrows. I'm going to take them all now. So everybody knows what you are, but eventually you'll have a secret agent Christian come up to you. I'm also a Christian. Shh. Shh. I'm just undercover. <laughs> what? What are you it's like, there's no FBI Christians, friends. 
Unless FBI stands for Forgot Biblical Instructions, that doesn't work. Amen? Come on now. People, we know this. Romans 10, 14. How can they believe if they haven't heard? How are they going to hear if no one preaches the gospel? That's what it says. Here's the key. Well, got a pen. Jot this down. Don't wait for the right opportunity. Take the next opportunity. Some of you are like, wait for the perfect opportunity. So like every 10 years, you share the gospel once on a bus with a complete stranger who looks like he couldn't respond anyway. You're like, win category. You're like, yes, I shouted out Jesus as I ran off the bus, yo. Now listen. Don't wait for the perfect. You wait for the perfect opportunity. It's not going to come. It just won't. You're like, oh, the stars are aligned. My devotions were perfect. Had some Pete's coffee, an In-N-Out burger. I'm ready. No, listen. <laughs> you got to take the next opportunity. Could you imagine? I mean, young adult men, this is for you. And the young adult ladies in the crowd, you're going to love me in a moment. Are you ready? I, I don't know if it's the same here, but we have a bit of an epidemic in Canada with young adult men. Because, like, we're talking about evangelism. It's the same with, with like, finding a wife for some of these guys. You talk to them, I'm like, hey, uh, Jerry, how's it going with the whole, you know? Looking for a wife. There's a lot of wonderful women here. It's like, oh, I'm just praying for the perfect one. I've just been praying that the Lord will just bring her to me miraculously and put her right in front of my feet. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yes, I'm in my prayer closet. Yeah, I'm like, so you're locked in your prayer closet. Yes, just waiting for Jesus to knock on the door and, and then open and there's my wife. It's not going to happen like that. You've got to talk to her. Amen, ladies? Open your mouth, okay? You have to actually... Listen, and if you think I'm... Oh, Joel, that's a bit forceful. What about waiting on the Lord? Listen, married men, help me out here. Was there not a point you pursued her hands up if this is true? Of course, because you didn't just walk up to some lady and go, hmm, 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 and hope she figured it out. No woman says that. Well, he just swept me off my feet with his mmm. You got to open your mouth and pursue it. Evangelism's no different. You think I'm making this up. I'm not just going for a laugh here. Read the book of Acts. Everywhere they went, they prayed. They were filled with boldness and they spoke. They took the opportunity. Ladies, how you like me now? Come on now. Come on. All right. You know there's going to be some annoying guy now at the end of the service. Hi, I think we should be married. Not what I meant. Not what I meant. Just get the pastors to protect you. We help with that stuff. They were bold. Number two, they were benighted. Benighted? What does that mean, Joel? Look at the passage. It says Acts 4.13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. I'm kind of an alliteration guy when it comes to sermon points. So the first one's boldness. The last one's been with Jesus. We're getting there. In the middle, I needed a B, so I chose benighted. You know why? Because it means uneducated and untrained. It means ordinary. They were benighted. I love that. Use this in a conversation with a coworker this week. I feel so benighted right now. And then just walk away. And they will go to Google, I promise you. Google, what is benighted? Okay. But truly, these religious guys are like, how are these guys able to do this 
When they're this dumb, that's what the verse literally means. I'm not even joking. Look, the word untrained in the Greek, R.J. Utley, the scholar says, is the term (laughs) idiotes. Where we get our word? Okay, you don't have to be so blunt, but yeah. Thanks for saying that to me. Yeah, anyway, idiots. Idiot. And I love this. Why? This is my life first right here. Because I feel like that. I feel like just an idiot. God doesn't choose superstars, amen? He just uses regular humans like you, like me. He chose ordinary guys like Gideon and like David and Joseph. He didn't say, well, get a degree and then serve me. No. Look, there's nothing wrong if you feel called to do that. I commend you. But it's not a requirement for opening your mouth and being used in evangelistic ways. Or you'll rule yourself out and give it to the experts. We got too much of that going on. But listen, people. People always ask me, oh, like, how'd you get in the ministry? And usually a guy will be like, tell me where you got your master's in divinity. And I'm like, uh, and they're like, how did you start in the ministry? So I tell them my story. I'll tell you my story. Here's how it was. 20 odd years ago, I was running a comedy club in Western Canada. I was dating a Mormon girl. We were going to get married. And then she dumped me. Well, y'all are colder than the people last night. Come on now. Thank you, four of you. Yeah, last night they were like, get over it. It was 20 years ago. We're American. Okay, all right. Anyway, I was just this wreck, you know, listening to sappy music. At the time, though, my my life was pretty good, but I, I was pretty miserable just going through this breakup. But at the time, I was a DJ for the radio station. I had my own TV show, and I had the comedy club, the improv club in town. Things were going great. And then this happened. And so I rebounded and called this girl up. And I'm like, hey, uh, we need to go out tonight. And she's like, sure. And I said, where do you want to go? Thinking we'd go clubbing or something. And she says, how about we go to this thing I'm already going called Refiner's Fire? And I was like, "Uh, it's not a church, is it? She goes, yeah, it is. But it's really cool. And it's full of young adults. And somehow that was enough for me. I'm like, okay, let's go. But I remember... And I shared this last night, but I just want to bring you all up to speed on this. I remember being so scared that someone would see me at a church that I put dark glasses on. And I told her I'd only come if I could sit in the back row so nobody saw me. So I sat in the back row. The preacher got up. He opened his Bible. He said, great to see everyone here. And then he went, hey, Joel Turner's here tonight. And all 250 heads <laughs> turned around. And I sunk. I was mortified. This guy, a couple things happened. Someone at that event gave me a Bible verse. I'd never had a Bible verse given to me in my life. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. And then the pastor took me out for lunch. And through this progression, I fully surrendered my life to Jesus. Now, here's the cool thing. Yes, praise God. Here's the cool thing. I walked back into the comedy club at about 20 comedians working for me. I said, guys, listen up. <laughs> By the way, I could write a book on how to kill a comedy club in three months. Here it is. I said, guys, listen up. I just got saved. We should all get saved right now. Yeah, like I said, I could kill a comedy club in three months. Half of the comedians left. Half of the half remained just to see what would happen to their weird director. And then a couple of them got saved. And all of a sudden, things changed for me. And so because I was so affected by the gospel, I wasn't charging $18 for people to get in. This is how you kill a comedy club. It was now $3. 
And I took out all the drinking and the smoking and the swearing. And I taught near swears to non-Christian comedians, which is almost impossible. And, And we went on like this, doing clean humor. And then all of a sudden, the largest Baptist church, which just happened to be across the road from my comedy club, they got upset at me. And here's why. Because now I'd cleaned out all the rowdies. No more drunk hecklers in the front. Guess who filled up our place? Young adults. All the Christians in town were like, hey, the comedian got saved. And so all the young adults came and all the youth came. And the youth pastor from the largest Baptist church in Canada walked across the road into my office in this warehouse we were renting. And he goes, are you Joel? I said, yeah. And he goes, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. And he goes, "Uh, we've got a bit of a problem. I said, what's the problem? He goes, I heard you got saved. And I literally said, I thought that was a good thing. (laughs) And he goes, it is, except all my youth on Monday nights are coming to your comedy club. They're not coming to youth. Guess what he did? If you can't beat them, hire them. He hired me. I became an assistant youth pastor. That's how I got in the ministry. That's benighted, folks. That's benighted. That's how I got in the ministry. Five people just left. They're like, well, why are we listening to him? Start the car, honey. You know. <laughs> That's benighted. And those are the people that God chooses and uses. And that's what it was like for Peter and John in front of these guys. They were like, we're just fishermen. But we prayed. We asked for the Holy Spirit to fill us. We prayed for boldness. And then we opened our mouth. Any one of you can do that in this room. It, it, we're just, it's, think of it like this, guys. We're like a power tool in the hand of God. That's you. That's me, friend. He's the power. And you're a tool. Say it. I'm a tool. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, forget to scratch that off the DVD. That sounds a bit... Well, you called me an idiot. Now, you started it. Okay, all right. I need to be reminded of that, don't you? I'm not God's great choice. I'm just one of the options. I'm benighted. I'm just available. I'm sure you've heard this from this pulpit because I know I see your pastor's heart. It's the same as mine. God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. And that's when he will start to do something in your family, in your workplace. You're like, oh, you don't know my mother-in-law. I've tried for years. I've tried for years too. And I'm now starting to see things happening. You just keep going. But it's good because it teaches us what? Guys, that it's not about us. It's about him. And some of us have to remember this. Scripture says, see your calling, not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world. That's you and me. God has chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. And see, I think sometimes we see the superstar Christian and we're like, oh, I wish I could be like him. He's so cool. I mean, I do. I see some pastors out there and I'm like, man, if I just had that guy's website. Wow, he's got the coolest website. And he's in shape too. He's got like a six pack and I have an ab. And he's got like, what's that thing? Oh, I miss it. Um, hair. You got, man, I miss that. You know? He got like perfect hair and abs and a website. And I'm like, man, I just can't. And, and he, it, like, he, like, these are skinny jeans for me. But some of these guys, they were like really skinny jeans. And I'm like, oh, man, he's so fashionable. His jeans are so skinny. Man, I just, I could not pull that off. No, literally, I cannot pull that off. 
I gotta get my kids. I tried on either side, holding onto the bed to pull them off. I just can't do it. <laughs> but I want to encourage you, ordinary guys like me, those superstar pastors with the skinny jeans and the website, they get less reward in heaven. I'm convinced. They got the full package down here, right? Angels are like, uh, oh, you had everything on earth. <laughs> You're ugly Tom for eternity. Come on in. No, I don't. <laughs> Welcome, ugly Tom. And they're like, what? No. Didn't you see my website? Did you see my website? I got abs. Not a period. Don't I? <laughs> Another one with abs. <laughs> okay. That was really just for me and Pastor Jeff. <laughs> we just... We just we just need to know that it all works out in the end. There's no website comparison at the gates. It's not about you. It's about him, amen? It's always been about Jesus, you guys. What is the result we are hoping they see in us? Boldness, benighted, what's the last thing? Here it is, number three, and I love this. Been with Jesus. Number three, been with Jesus. Look, they marveled. These religious dudes marveled. It says, and they realized... About Peter and John, they realized what? They had been with Jesus. Church, hear me now. Success in life is found in these five words. They had been with Jesus. I got to ask you, have you been spending time with Jesus lately? How's your time with Jesus? Like I told the group last night, you're never going to be greater than your prayer life. You will never be greater than your times with Jesus in the morning. I feel like devotions are like the big thing for me that I keep hitting the drum on. Because honestly, and we're not talking about ritual. You know, ritual can turn into routine, which can turn into rut. Maybe you're there right now. You're like, oh, it's just, oh, here's my chapter of the day, and you're getting nothing out of it. No, 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 no. It's coming to meet with your king and savior, the one you're going to spend forever with. And because it, it makes a difference, what you do now affects how you enjoy eternity. And this life's not the main event. And so we're going to get with our Jesus now because it's going to change our experience there. I promise you it is. Have you been spending time with Jesus? You know, we can get so haughty-totty sometimes, can't we? Is, is it just me? I have people in my church, they come up to me, they're like, Oh, pastor. <laughs> I really hope they're not watching the live stream. Oh, have you read this book that explains the existential realities of the hermeneutic on creationism in the modern context? And I'm just simple. I'm like, uh, have you been with Jesus? How's your time with Jesus? And I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. You want a nugget that will change your ministry, your church, your marriage, your parenting? Here it is. Please write it down. Have you been with Jesus? These are the ones Jesus chooses to use. Oh, put Peter and John in there. There's no way they could take the glory on this one. <laughs> Get those benighted guys in there. Of all the requirements for success in life, why is this recipe not spoken of more? Friends, you won't be greater than your time and relationship with Jesus. Start each day with a fresh sheet of paper. Okay, y'all are so high-tech, no one has a piece of paper up here. <laughs> I've always relied on there being a piece of, It's like the iPad won't do it. Okay, I'm going to steal this. going to mess up the closing song. Look at this. Take a blank sheet of paper. 
And let Jesus be the first one that writes on it in your day. You're like, well, I do my devotions at night. That's fine, but start each day and go, Lord, be the first one to write on it. We'll put it upside down, see if it changes the song. But Lord, <laughs> forgive me, worship people. Okay, but Lord, Lord, he's like, okay, I don't know. Lord, be the first one to write on my heart today. I want to start my day with Jesus. I don't want to go like, oh, I got this, Lord. No, you don't got this. You know, we draw to a close real soon here. I was thinking about this. It made me ponder. What did the disciples do for devotions? Have you thought about that? What did the disciples do for devotions? You, know, you think about it. We say, do you guys use that term? Devotions, quiet time, devos, anybody? Okay, that's why you need to hear this. Only four of you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you're like, what is this devotions you speak of? No. <laughs> The, the disciples, what did they do? They didn't, they didn't have the New Testament. Here's what I think happened. I think the disciples probably woke up somewhere, probably on a rock, like, oh, and the first thought they had was, oh, where's Jesus? Think about it. Jesus hadn't ascended to the Father, so the Spirit hadn't come down yet. So when they got up in the morning, the first thought was, where's Jesus? And, and you wanted to, now hear me, you wanted to find out where Jesus was right away, and then go get to where he was. Why? Because the closer you were to Jesus, hear this, the closer you were to the action, and the closer you were to the reward of being around him, and the closer you were to those sweet words that he would say, and those wise words and those teachings and the power. And your heart, you know, because we have later on in the Bible, the road to Emmaus, we know that when the guys that got close to Jesus, their heart was like exploding. That's what the disciples were like. Where's Jesus? I just want to get to as close to him as I can. Have you been with Jesus? Picture tomorrow, wherever you live, a place in your house. Maybe it's a place you do devotions. Picture a table with a white tablecloth, two place settings, China, let's go with China, and two seats, one open for you and one, and there's Jesus in a tuxedo, and he's waiting for you. And he's got joy on his face. He's excited. Put your name in there. Hey, blank. Hey, Joel, I'm excited to meet with you. Put your name in there. I'm excited to meet with you. And, and he's waiting tomorrow morning to just spend time with you. And if you don't come, you think he's going to flip the table over and throw China. He's not. The next morning, he's there again. How is he? Exactly the same. Oh, man, I'm just excited to spend some time with my sister, with my daughter, with my son, oh, just excited to pour in. Get back to being with Jesus. I'm going to close with a, a story, and then, uh, and then the worship team will come up. I want to tell you a story. A couple years ago, I was speaking at a conference, and um, it was actually out here, okay? And the conference ended, and my wife and I were so excited because we don't have uh, water where we live. And, or the, oh, how do you call it? Oh, ocean, ocean. perfect. Yeah. We, <laughs> ocean. Got it. Okay. So this, we're like, let's take the rental car before we go to the airport, go to Laguna beach. Yeah. So we drive to Laguna beach. We park the car. We get out. And we're just like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm like asking around for a restaurant, a rooftop restaurant to overlook the water. I'm like, hey, can you tell us where? And somebody pointed out. They're like, go down here. You'll love this place. So we climb up these steps. We come out. There's this rooftop restaurant. And every single seat was full. Every table was taken. 
And I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just me, right? But do you ever get cranky, grumpy when you get hangry? Anybody here get hang? You know, I love that you're nudging your. You're like, you do, Fred. Tell them. Okay. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> you're hangry right now because he won't shut up. No, listen. <laughs> right. Well, I was feeling a bit grumpy. You know, I'm hungry. I'm like, I just want to sit. And I don't know why, where my head was at, but I was like, oh, come on. Can't these people tell we're from Canada? And it's just my sinful nature. I'm like praying again. Table four in the name of Jesus, make them leave right now. No, <laughs> it didn't work. Apparently the Lord is like, no. And then finally this guy over to the left in the, this like sharp looking 25 year old guy in a business suit, just all perky like, he's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, hi. And he's like, he's like looking for someone. I'm like, no, we're looking for a table. Maybe you could give us yours. But anyway, he goes, Oh, yeah, that's too bad. There's no tables. Why don't you guys sit with me? I'm like, I don't want to sit with you. Why are you talking to me? And But I'm like, all of a sudden, in my heart, I feel like the Lord's saying, I want you to share Jesus with this guy. And so I start praying for the Holy Spirit to fill me and to give me boldness because I wasn't in the mood. I wasn't in the spirit. So I pray. I sit down with my wife. And at first, I'm a little hesitant, and I'm still doing this wrestle with the Lord. Lord, I don't really want to do this. I just want to look at the ocean with my bride. And, and, and then this guy starts going, so what are you down here for? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm a pastor. Oh, you're one of them. I'm like, here we go. And he proceeds to give me the best apologetic right then against Christianity I've ever heard in my life, this 25-year-old guy. I mean, he'd spent years working it out and why he realized why it was wrong and he just decimated me. And here I am, this pastor of 20 years. And by the end of it, I was like, man, maybe I got it wrong. Uh, No, no, I wasn't. (laughs) But it was good. You know, I was like, oh, I'm not up for this right now, Lord. But all of a sudden I prayed, Holy Spirit, fill me. And give me boldness. And I start sharing with him about Jesus. Have you ever had this church where you're sharing and all of a sudden the stuff you're saying is so good there's no way it could be you? Anybody? Yeah, and I'm talking and this guy's getting destroyed all of a sudden. And I'm all of a sudden, you know, you kind of get carried away and you're like, wow, I am awesome. (laughs) And the Lord's like, no, you're not, bub. Get out of the way. I'm trying to do something here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So this guy gets flustered and he's like, oh, here's my girlfriend. I got to go to the bathroom. He didn't have to go to the bathroom. He was getting beat. You know what I'm saying? So he gets up and he runs off. The girlfriend sits down and my wife starts pouring into his girlfriend and sharing with her. He comes back to the table flustered and he tries changing the topic to his great business and all this stuff he's doing. And the Lord's like, share Jesus again. So I start sharing Jesus again and he's getting more and more panicked. And he's giving me resistance. And we're kind of, you know, apologetically going back and forth. I look over at my wife. She's got her arm around the girl. The girl's bawling and my wife's praying. Yeah, that's my wife. And, uh, and I'm like, man, I got to step up my game here. She's already crossing the finish line. And so I start preaching really fast to this guy. You need Jesus. All of a sudden, this tough, smart business leader, he takes his sunglasses and he pushes them down over his eyes. Why? The Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of him and he starts crying. And I, yeah. 
And I'll, I'll ask the worship team if you can come up right now while I close the story. And you can just start playing quietly in the background unless you have a way you want to do this. But uh, <laughs> You're like, no, you've thrown everything out the window, Joel. But I looked at this guy and I said, Nate, can you see? And, and we talked now on email. He's doing fine. But I said, Nate, can you see any reason right now why you shouldn't give your life to Jesus? And he's like, no, I can't. And so we prayed right there on the rooftop of Laguna Beach for him to give his life to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. We, we came out of the prayer and I said, now I got to get you guys into a church. Where do you live? They said, Texas. And I said, uh, is there a church nearby that you know that teaches the Bible? And the girl goes, it's funny you should say that, Joel. She said, for the last couple weeks, I've been going to this church that I haven't been to before. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called a Calvary Chapel. <laughs> I was like, no, never heard it. No. <laughs> Come on now, church. The Holy Spirit is already at work. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. It's you, nobody else. We have the hope of the world. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says this. Therefore, since we have such great help, hope, such great hope, we use great boldness of speech. I want to do this. Could you guys play quietly in the background for a minute? I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this. I don't always do this, but I feel like someone in here needs to take a, maybe a, a, a declarative step of faith and obedience and say, you know what, Joel? I, I need to respond to this right now. So if you're in this place, would you just bow your head, close your eyes for a moment, and I want you to just search your heart. And I, I don't care if it's the whole room. I want to give you an invitation to stand all over this room if you feel that God is saying, I, I want to use you in greater ways than I've used you. I want, so it, I, I want that boldness back in your walk. If that's you and you say, I want to be used in a bold way in this coming year for Jesus. Just stand where you are. Just stand all over this place. Amen. Praise the Lord. You say, I need a fresh boldness. I need a fresh touch of Jesus. I want to be used to share the gospel. If that's you, just stand. I want to pray for you. Also, listen, there may be some of you in this room, you say, you know what, Joel? I, I'm feeling guilty. I haven't been with Jesus much lately. And if you're in this place and you say, man, I need to get right with Jesus. I need a quiet time. I don't have a quiet time right now. I don't have a time of the Lord. If that's you, I want to pray for you too. So just stand where you are. If that's you, praise the Lord. If that's you, just step to your feet. You say, this is, it's time for me to get right with the Lord. Let's pray right now. Father, all across this room, God, we want to be used. I want to be used to boldly declare Jesus, the saving knowledge that comes from no other place, no other person, save the person, Jesus Christ. Would you, Holy Spirit, right now across this room, fill every heart, fill every heart with your spirit and with boldness. This week, Father, we pray for the next opportunity. We pray that there would be stories told I opened my mouth just like you said. I shared Jesus just like you said. I lifted him up just like you said. This week, Lord, we pray. Father, we pray there be new people in church next week because you used these, your children, your ambassadors for such a time as this to share Jesus. 
do this, we pray, for your glory. And in Jesus' name, amen.